Picture a shepherd with his sheep in green pastures and beside still waters. Imagine that same shepherd leading his flock along paths of righteousness and through the valley of the shadow of death to the summer grazing locations. Upon arriving, imagine the shepherd's flock turning to him, raising one hoof high into the sky and saying with anointed heads and cups overflowing, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The word surely begins Psalm 23 and verse 6. This word sets forth the unbreakable bond between the shepherd and his sheep. The sheep know and trust their good and merciful shepherd. The shepherd conveys to his sheep a blessed assurance and confidence about the future, which is true for all who follow Jesus. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello, and thanks for being here today for Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, always glad to have you with us. Every good shepherd has at least one sheepdog. They're invaluable because they help keep the flock together and moving in the right direction. Today, we'll discover that God has a couple of sheepdogs of his own. Ron tells us all about them today as he moves ahead in his teaching series, Psalm 23 and Me, Living the Good Life with the Good Shepherd. To listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule, stop by somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Sheepdogs of Heaven. One Man and His Dog is a BBC television series that's actually been running since uh, 1974. It continues in the United Kingdom today. Uh, this popular program features, are you ready for this? Sheepdog trials. Uh, they're competitions between uh, sheepdogs or dogs with a, a herding instinct. Of course, the uh, black and white border collie is the one that we all think of when we think of sheepdogs. And uh, the black and white uh, border collie is known for staring at sheep with the eye. Uh, if you've ever seen how these uh, border collies help to uh, shepherd and corral the sheep, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they give them that intimidating look to the flock and, and just kind of move the flock along. Now, throughout our study of Psalm 23, we've been uh, speaking at length about the unique relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. Uh, that relationship in nature, of course, is analogous to our relationship with Jesus. Uh, if you haven't figured this out so far, Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd. That means he is our good shepherd, and we, by faith in Christ, are the sheep of his pasture. But in nature, there's a third party in the relationship. There's the shepherd, his sheep, <laughs> and this is one of my favorite parts, the sheepdog. The sheepdog is part of it as well. And the sheepdog enhances the shepherd's ability to lead his flock well. A good sheepdog is invaluable to a good shepherd. And there's something in, in the breed of sheepdogs that make them want to corral the sheep. Well, in his book, uh, The Shepherd's Life, James Rebanks uh, recalls uh, his grandfather's sheepdog, not named Bindi, but his grandfather's dog was named Ben. And he says that Ben was priceless on those clipping days when they would, 
you know, uh, clip the uh, sheep of their wool. Long, hard days, he said. Uh, Rebanks writes, uh, Grandpa's dog Ben was a beautiful, strong-boned, black-and-white border collie, a strong dog that could work a big flock of sheep. He even trained Ben to catch a single ewe by command without hurting it, holding the fleece without nipping the skin and using his strength to anchor the ewe until Granddad could hobble closer and grab it. But Ben was cheeky. He knew he couldn't be caught by the old man, so he would taunt my grandfather by bounding in front of him as they went to do some work, and my grandfather would shout blue murder at him. But once the work started, Ben the sheepdog would focus, and together they could do almost anything. Sheepdogs enjoy a different relationship with the sheep uh, than shepherds do. Uh, sheepdogs can bark and, and growl at times at the sheep. They nip at the sheep's heels. They run from side to side to herd them. They're extensions of the shepherd. And they assist in the herding by, by driving the sheep from behind and uh, from alongside of them. I can't help thinking that maybe King David had all of this in mind when he was writing Psalm 23 centuries ago and he came to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If goodness and mercy are, are like two sheepdogs that follow me, they're never playfully disrespectful or, or cheeky as the Brits like to say. Uh, but they work just as hard to corral the sheep and and uh, keep them uh, moving forward with the shepherd. Before we get to know these two sheepdogs named Goodness and Mercy, uh, I want us to look at a couple of key words in this part of the psalm. Uh, First, circle that word follow. Uh, It literally means to accompany or to go with. Uh, the sheepdogs of heaven, in my mind, are different than the hound of heaven. Remember the, uh, uh, the poem written by Francis Thompson, uh, the Englishman, about the hound of heaven and how he talked about he drifted away from the Lord and the hound of heaven pursued him. No, the sheepdogs of heaven don't pursue us like the hound of heaven does, but they, uh, they come alongside us during the journey. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I also think of uh, the words of the Apostle Paul written long after uh, King David wrote Psalm 23. In Romans chapter 11, uh, Paul tells us to consider the goodness and severity of God. Oh, not the goodness and mercy of God. Paul says consider the goodness and severity of God. Uh, Certainly goodness and severity is something that unbelievers ought to consider. Allow his goodness to draw you toward him. But if God's goodness does not win your heart, then allow his severity to warn you about the consequences of rejecting his free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But David, centuries earlier, writing about and to the sheep of his pasture, was correct in saying that goodness and mercy... Uh, shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, One more thought before we meet these uh, two sheepdogs of heaven personally. I want to focus on the first word in the sentence. Surely. Say that with me. Surely. That word at the beginning of verse 6 sets forth the unbreakable bond between the shepherd and his sheep. Uh, The sheep know and trust their good and merciful shepherd. And the shepherd, uh, with his sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, conveys to the sheep 
Uh, let's just call it a blessed assurance, a confidence about the future. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, that word surely always uh, reminds me of a, um, an Australian consumer products company called Unilever. They were the manufacturers of a deodorant and antiperspirant called Sure. I don't know if it's still around today, but back in the 1980s, they advertised this uh, uh, particular deodorant with a, a, a catchy and snappy jingle. And at the end, people were singing, confident, confident, dry and secure. Raise your hand, raise your hand if you're sure. I just picture these sheepdogs of heaven raising their hooves along with the, the, uh, the sheep and confidently saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Is there anything in your life, by the way, where you can confidently raise your hand and say, I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. I have confidence about this as I go into the future. Well, the philosopher says, no, there's nothing. Nothing we can be sure of. Philosophy begins with the basic assumption that we can know nothing for sure. Remember Socrates? Socrates famously said, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. Well, there's a guy you want to invite to a party. And he says, I know nothing. But this is where biblical Christianity and human philosophy part ways. Because Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 warns, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. King David was not philosophizing about his relationship to his good shepherd. He knew for sure, absolutely confident, the goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life. Thankfully, biblical Christianity teaches that there are some things we can know for sure, starting with uh, our salvation. Do you know for sure that you possess the free gift of eternal life? First John chapter 5 and verse 14, the Apostle John says, These things I have written unto you that you might know, that you might know that you have eternal life. You can be sure of that. If you're not sure of it, don't leave this place today on this Thanksgiving weekend without knowing for sure uh, that you're in a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven, that you are among the sheep of His pasture. But is there anything else we can be sure of? Anything else where we can raise our hand confident, confident, Dry and secure, right? Raise your hand if you can say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now with that in mind, let's get to know these two sheepdogs a little bit better. Starting with the sheepdog named goodness. Now, we've been talking over these weeks about our good shepherd. Jesus who declared, I am the good shepherd. But not all shepherds are good to their sheep. In fact, some shepherds use and abuse their sheep for profit, for personal gain. Jesus, the good shepherd, warned about bad shepherds. He called them hirelings. Uh, they are those who see the wolf coming and abandon their sheep. But the good shepherd of our souls is not that way. He even has a sheepdog that he brings along called goodness. He's good to us. 
Uh, raise your hand again and say, surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Up next, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Psalm 23 and Me, Living the Good Life with the Good Shepherd. Watch or listen to the entire series at your convenience in the Something Good digital library. That's at somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to download Ron's sermon notes for today's message. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Whenever you stop by, you're invited to share your prayer request with us. Use the Explore option right at the top of the home page, where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer anytime. Fortunately for us, God is both sovereign and good. If he was sovereign but not good, he'd be a dictator. If he was good but not sovereign, he'd be powerless. To learn more about the goodness of our Good Shepherd, Let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Sheepdogs of Heaven. The goodness of God is well documented in the Bible. Let me give you a few examples, starting in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How about Psalm 31 and verse 19? Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Uh, we'll stay in the Psalms for another one. Psalm 107 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And then we fast forward to the New Testament to one of my favorite verses, kind of a life verse. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 begins with the Apostle Paul raising his hand and declaring confidently, and we know, we know, that all things, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Be careful with this verse. It doesn't promise that all things are good. We know better than that. When you're going through a bad time, a hard time, a difficult time, uh, don't, don't you know, try to convince yourself that this is good. Not all things are good. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And there are some really, really bad things that happen that are a result of uh, uh, our fallen, sinful nature. And uh, fallen, sinful humans bumping into each other. Billions of us on this planet. Bad things happen. But the promise to the sheep of his pasture is that we know this. We can raise our hand and confidently know that God works all things together for good to those who love Him, to those who are the called according to His purpose. This is a promise uniquely directed to the sheep of His pasture. And He says, we know this. We know this is true. Not all things are good, but, but God can pick up the broken pieces of your life and fashion them together into something good. Kind of like an artist picks up broken pieces of glass and you know, makes a beautiful mosaic. Eugene Peterson paraphrased Romans 8 and verse 28 this way. He says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. More than a decade ago, God used that rewording of Romans 8, 28 to inspire the naming 
of a radio broadcast we started called Something Good. And every day, in one way or another, as we deliver God's word to people, we're saying to our listeners, God is up to something good in your life. He really is. It may not feel that way right now. It may not seem that way. Give him time to pick up those broken pieces and work them into something good. Because surely, surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Something good is more than a catchphrase to us at, uh, at the ministry. Uh, one of our new listeners, I thought I'd share this with you today, Cindy from Minnesota, was going through a pretty hard time. And she came across uh, the daily radio program. She said, my dad passed away. While I was driving home, I happened upon your radio program. You talked about redemption. I normally would not have listened, but I was intrigued by what I heard. I want to hear more. I'm not a religious person, but I could not turn the program off. I want to learn more. That's God's goodness coming after her. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Hey, what are the implications of the goodness of God? Well, to say the shepherd of our soul is good is to say that he is kind, he is benevolent, he is gracious. He is generous at the highest level that anybody could express. Let me say that again. God's goodness means that he is generous and kind and gracious at the highest level that anybody could express or experience. God does the most good anyone can in the universe. He is a good God and a good shepherd. I'm reminded of Jim Collins' famous book, Good to Great. It was a business book. He talked about how some businesses are good, others are great, and uh, gave a little bit of a pathway for businesses to go from good to great. All of that is great in corporate life and business life. But just remember, God is both good and great at the same time. When we say he is a good shepherd, that's, that's the highest of uh, excellence when it comes to goodness and graciousness and kindness and generosity toward us. Furthermore, God is not good because he does good things. No, he's good because by nature he is good. He can't help but be good and gracious and kind and benevolent and generous to us. God is also not more or less good today than he was yesterday. You can't wake up in the morning and say, no, it's a bad day, therefore God must not be good today. He turned off his goodness today. No, he didn't. He's not more or less good today than he was yesterday. And finally, God is good all the time. He's good all the time to those who love him. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, underscore this, all the days of my life. There's not a single day that you and I will live where God's goodness, not to mention his mercy, are not uh, flanking us on either side like two sheepdogs from heaven, following us all the days of our lives, coming alongside us in the good times and the hard times. All the days of our lives, David said. But it still begs the question, if God is so good, if our good shepherd is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? Even God's people. Well, aren't you glad for the book of Job? 
And our good shepherd anticipated that question. From uh, Genesis chapter 3 forward, he knew that we'd be living in a fallen world and bad things would happen to even God's people. Even a man like Job, who was, uh, from heaven's perspective, a righteous man. You expect bad things to happen to bad people. But what, what ha- what, what, how do you process when, when bad things happen uh, to God's people? Well, in the book of Job, it reads uh, almost like a cosmic contest between God and Satan, between uh, ultimate good and absolute evil. You remember the story, Job loses everything. And when I say everything, I mean his, his wealth, his business, his health. There was even a day when news came to him that a tornado wiped out all 10 of his children. How do you receive news like that? There's nothing good about that. And for the next, I don't know, 30, almost 40 chapters, Job and his three friends get in a conversation. And, you know, the the three friends, I put the word friends in quotes there. You know, uh, try to explain why, Job, Job, there must be something wrong in your life. No, he was, he was a righteous man. He's a good man. But something bad happened in his life. And then toward the end of the book, God finally tells Job to sit down and button it up. Who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Job, sit down and just listen. And for the next three chapters, God gives a I call it a non-answer. He flexes his cosmic muscles. Says, Job, where were you when I created the stars? You know our good shepherd won't give us all the answers. And even on those occasions when he chooses to give us an answer, it won't always come immediately. He keeps some things hidden for reasons all his own. That's where our faith comes in. If you missed part of Dr. Ron Jones' message, or if you'd like to share it with a friend, stop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks. On Route Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, is now available as a two-volume set covering the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments. For a gift of $50 or more, request your copy of the set. When you order the print books, you will also get unlimited access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. 
To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volumes 1 and 2, Through the Old and New Testaments, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible makes a great addition to any home library. Request both volumes today at somethinggoodradio.org. Now, here's Ron with a preview of tomorrow's message. Grace is God giving us good things we do not deserve. Mercy, though, is God withholding from us the divine punishment we do deserve. And we, and we see both the goodness and mercy of God, the grace and the mercy of God inside the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an interplay between these two cheeky sheepdogs. That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, The Sheepdogs of Heaven. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.